Congratulations. Thanks, Mom. Yeah, great job, kiddo. Thanks, Grandpa. So, what's your 15-year plan? Oh, no, not this again. Do you have a job yet? Give me some time. Every time he comes over, he makes me feel like a kid again. Uh, I don't know. Jobs seem hard. Your estimated wait time is 97 minutes. 97 minutes? Come on! All right, here it is. I pulled the MLS data on this luxurious short self, and it seems to be priced pretty appropriately, according to the CMA, and depending on your DP, you may not even have to pay PMI. Huh? Who's on Parker's desk? I just went. Bro. It's not working. The only choices I have is a lion, wagon, and zebra. Sounds like you're gonna lose. She really is beautiful. Thank you. Got it. Congratulations again. Thank you. You got it from here, okay? All right, bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Honey? Honey? Sir, what's your number? What number? Next. The test results are in. The diagnosis is rheumatoid arthritis. What's a rumored artist? Um, excuse me? Yes? I thought refills on juice were free. Um, I'll go ask my manager. Good. Oh my gosh, I am so sorry. Oh my goodness, are you okay? Adulting is hard. Adulting is difficult. You know, one of the things that um, I don't like about adulting are signing contracts for things. I know it's great. I, I just remember sitting down and signing the papers to own a house and the mortgage I was going to be responsible for. I remember signing, that, signing my name on that initial here and sign here, and you go through all those papers. And, you know, and you're kind of celebrating this whole idea that you own something, now it's yours. But you, <laughs> on the flip side of that, it's like you own something it's called a mortgage. It's yours. Like, you're responsible for this huge thing. Like, when I think about ownership, think about adulting, I always think about owning something. I always, I always think about the owning the responsibility and the control of something. Because, I mean, let's think about ownership. The definition simply is, I mean, taking responsibility or control of something. When you own something, you're taking on the responsibility of what it means to take care of that thing, to control it, to, to keep it up. And yesterday, as I'm keeping up my house that's seven years old, and I'm doing maintenance, and I realize, oh, I own this. Like, it's, ownership is not just an idea about, oh, it's yours. Ownership is an idea about, I, I have to do something to keep it. I, I control it. I'm responsible for it. I'm, I'm kind of over this thing. And, and when things go wrong, that's on me. And when things don't go right, it's on me. And when things go great, it's kind of on me, right? So <laughs> this, is, this idea of ownership is what I will kind of address today in this last section of adulting is hard because I know this big idea of ownership is something we all struggle with. And I actually thought about this, this ownership idea a little bit differently a few weeks ago. I walked into the hospital with my daughter and she was just going to do some routine testing and uh, we were going to go down to, to get an x-ray on some stuff. And so I was there. And I remember them sliding the sheet across at the registration table, the sheet. And there's this whole long list of things that I, I mean, it was a lot of small print and it was two-sided. And I remember a person pushing across and they had highlighted where I was supposed to initial, 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 and then on the back sign. And they'd said, hey, all this says is blah, 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 blah. And all this says is blah, 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 blah. And all this says is blah, blah. And I was like, if that's all it says, why do you have a big paper with a lot more words on it? 
know what I'm saying? Like, and so I look at this and I go, I'm in this moment where I'm like, what am I signing onto here? Like, what, what is ownership supposed to look like in this situation? And I realized I'm signing a contract. Contracts are so good, right? Contracts are good because they identify what each person, each party, each group, what they're responsible for and what they control. And basically the hospital was telling me, hey, we're going to control these things, but you're signing here to, to let us know that you're going to control these things. We can only do our job if you give us the right information and this and this and this. And we can only do this if you're willing to do this. And we're only going to do this if you do this. But you know what also is in that contract? As you think about what you're signing and initialing for and owning onto and the responsibility, you're also signing that there are things that are beyond both parties' control. Because that's what... That's what a contract really is supposed to do, right? You're in charge of this and you're in charge of this. But you know there's wording in there that's basically like, hey, if this happens, we know it's not your fault, but hey, it's not our fault either. Like that's beyond our control. There, there are things that are things we, we both can't predict that might happen. And we just want to both make sure that we know what you own, I know what I own, and we know what neither one of us can really own because there are things that are really outside of control. And if you think about your adult life, I know this is going to be hard for you to think about, but it's, it's absolutely true, and nobody is going to debate this this morning. Nobody, this next slide. We all recognize our control over our own lives is limited. Like, we have choices. We have so many choices. We, we get to choose what to do with our money, what to do with our health, what to do even with our kids, what, what activities to put them in, where to, to go with that. With, we, we have to choose how we treat people at work and whether we take this job or that job and, and whether we quit this job or quit that job or whether we, we fight for this or don't fight for this or, or serve at this place or give to this place, right? We, we have all kinds of choices, but let's be honest. The real control of our lives is, is kind of limited, because things just happen to us nobody knew was coming and nobody can control and nobody has real responsibility for. Like just this morning, I got a call 10 minutes before coming up here that my wife's van broke down in the middle of the rainstorm. That's, that's fun to hear. Sorry, babe, can't help you. Got a job to do, <laughs> right? Out of my control, out of her control, who, who was in control of that? It, it, some things just happened to us. Some things just hit us. And so... My job here this morning, I, I, I'm going to go quickly through some stuff, but here's what I want you to be thinking about. As things hit you that are outside of your control, and your control is limited in your life, do you know what we all tend to do? We all tend to create this idea so that we can somehow get through these things we don't control. And we often produce an idea about who God is so that we can understand how to continue control things even when things are out of control. And we start to develop a view of who God is. And some of you are like, well, I don't really have a view of God yet. Well, you do if you've been in living in this culture. We talk about God a lot. So even if you're not sure you believe in a God as God of your life, or if you've been a believer in God since you were very young and you've been trying to figure that out since you were very young, I just want you to know that we're all here kind of in the same situation. That as we deal with who God is, we are all the time really dealing with this idea of control in our lives. And so as we become adults and we walk through adulthood, and no matter if you have grandkids who are graduating high school or you've got a kid graduating from high school or you are graduating from high school, we all have to deal with this big idea about how do we control these things we can't control or how do we deal with these things that we can't control and how does that affect our view of God? 
So I want to walk you through, I want you to pick out, I'm going to walk you through four views of God. I want you to kind of self-identify this morning. This is kind of like a quiz, like a personality quiz, okay? Where do you land and how you view God based on the things that you can't control? And so I want to I just point you to number one. Here's the first one. You may be a life over God person. Isn't it a cute little graphic? I, I didn't design this. This came from a book I'll mention later. It's, well, I'll mention now. It's called With by Sky Jathani. It's really interesting. I, w- I want you to think about this one. Are you a life over God person? In other words, basically this. You're not sure God is really involved in your life at all. God may have started this place. You don't know. God may have created everything in, in, in life. You don't know for sure. But you know that there are some things that he put in place, some ways that you need to live your life, some systems and some principles that you know you need to live your life by. And there's scientific facts that you can uncover that will help you figure out how to do life better. And there are things that you can learn throughout this life. And so you're kind of a life over God. In other words, when you think about things you can't control, all the time your first response is to try to figure out, okay, there must be a system, there must be a principle, there must be some way to solve this problem. All I have to do is learn a little bit more, and I'll figure it out, and then I will be in control because I've learned something, I've figured something out, I've got a new set of knowledge to work with. Okay, that's, that's one set of you that may be you, may not be you at all, but some of you may this, be this next one. You may be a life under God person. You grew up in church, and so from when you were very young, you knew that God had some things that he expected of you to do, and there were some laws and regulations and some ways you were supposed to live, and since you were very young, or maybe in the last few years even, that you have de- developed this kind of view of God, that he is o- over you and you are under him. And as long as you are under his authority, and as long as you are doing what he asked you to do, and as long as you're doing all the right things, then he will make sure all the things that are out of control are under his control, and he'll make sure you get through them. Like you kind of got this like, okay, if I do my part, God will do his part. If I'm good enough, he'll be good to me. If I can figure out how to make him happy, then... He'll figure out how to make me happy. So there's this kind of give and take view of who God is. Some of you may be struggling with this next one, life from God. You may be looking at the things that are out of control, and you're wondering why God hasn't gifted you the things that you're supposed to have. Because your primary view of God when things are out of control is that you're waiting for Him to give you something that, that you can't get for yourself. And, you, and sometimes you, you get in this mode of, okay, I understand that life is supposed to work like this because I actually can't control this, I can't do anything, but God, I'm waiting for you to give, 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 and you end up waiting a while, or you wait a short time. It just depends on kind of how your viewpoint works on that, but a lot of you are from God. In fact, you kind of look at life as, as being okay until God comes along and blesses you with the amazing things. You're always looking for what God can do for your business or do for your family or do for you personally, and you're looking for that from mentality. Some of you may be this last one. You may be a life for God. You know for sure that God has done something for you already, and so you're going to do for God all the way to the end of your life. You're going you're to be on mission 100% of the time. In fact, you're going to make yourself... Work really hard in making sure you're on mission for God. And that's why you, you serve so often, you give so much, and that's why you look for ways. In fact, you, if I were being honest, you look for ways to make sure that you make your life more miserable so that you can make sure that you're suffering enough to kind of like earn back. Like, God, here, I'm going to give you everything I've got. I, I, if, if I can just suffer a little bit more, I'll be, able to, I'll be able to pay you back for what you've done for me. And there's this sort of payback feel. Now, here's the thing about all four of these points of view. All of them have some truth in them, but they are not the whole truth. And when we start to center in on only one point of view here, what seems to happen to adults that have watched this is they get 
a really difficult time in dealing with things that are out of their control because they expect God to answer or respond or they expect things to work out a certain way based on their view of who God is. And when it doesn't work out that way, they, they start to look at their view of God and they start to question whether God actually exists or whether he's even a part of what they're doing or whether he's even there. And so there's this, there's this gap, I think. As we adults, we try to adult well, that we, just, we keep these immature view of God, views of God. And we let those immature views of God, then we never let them develop. So I want you to remember this, this bottom line for today. An immature view of God will keep you from maturing. So one of these four views, if you're holding on to one of those, guess what? You've got part of the truth, but you don't have the whole thing nailed down. If you identified with one of those four, I want to walk you through the way that those immature views of God can keep you from maturing. They can keep you from growing in your faith and growing as a person because the limited view of God that you have right now is keeping you from understanding a basic truth about who God is to all of us and the amount of control we have and the amount of control he has in our lives. So here's what I want to do. I want to walk you back through those four and want to help you see that these immature views of God can actually keep you from growing. So I want to go back to, to life over God. Did you know life over God people rarely admits needing help from others or God? If you're one of those people, you rarely admit help. You, you don't need help because you've got enough knowledge or you're going to get enough knowledge or you're going to, you're going to know what you need to put in place to make sure you fix the things that are out of control. And you don't really need help from other people or from God. You just need the answer. I just need to know how to make my health better. I just need to know how to make my relationships better. I just need to know how to make my leadership better. I just need to know how to make my life in this area better. I'm just looking for the, the principles and the, and the little things that, that I can grab and learn and know. And then also, often blames others when the formula isn't working. See, I used to be this kind of person. I really thought that I could figure it all out. If I could figure it all out and know all the answers, then I, see, other people, they just weren't doing it right. Other people in my life, they were messing my formula up. So when I was doing the formula, I was working the formula, I was doing everything that I knew was supposed to be done, I wasn't looking to God or other people to help with that. I was actually trying to push people all the way because they were messing up the formula. They weren't getting it right. And so I started to, to push away from other people. And, and honestly, this immature view of God, it didn't help me grow because I was unwilling to look at what I needed and what I was truly had as a gap in my life. And so I was looking for answers, just, just answers in general, not real answers to who I was. So a lot of people, they try to go from life over with God and they actually end up in the life under God because a lot of people try to go from over to under. So go to that next one. Life under God people, they have difficulty maturing in their faith or growing as people because they struggle to show grace to self and others. Like if you're living under God and you're all the time trying to figure out what will please Him and what makes it happen, as long as I can do what pleases Him and you're trying to do things to please God, you end up struggling a lot. Well, like where does grace come in? Because you, cause, cause let's be honest, you do some things that don't please Him. And you end up doing some things that hurt other people, Right? And you end up doing things and you get in these situations, you're like, well, how can I show grace to, to them? They're not doing it right. How can I show grace to me? I'm not doing it right. The, the grace becomes a really hard difficulty when you're trying to live under God and just please Him by your behavior. And then you start to blame yourself when things go wrong. See, because if, if I were living right, this wouldn't be happening. See, if I'd figured out the, the key to all of this, if I, if, I, if I just gotten it all right, then God would be able to 
to give me what I need. And instead, I must be really messing it up because my life's not going well. And so I must not be living under God well. You can see the transition from over to under pretty well. So you go from like trying to figure it all out. Then you go back to the other extreme and you go on the other end of the spectrum. And be like, well, I just need to do exactly what God says and only that. And if I can do that, everything will be fine. And that's really difficult. So you can see how those two views can be just a smidgen. And listen, I just want to tell you this. God did create some principles for us to live by. He did create some strategies and some systems that will help you live life better. We talk about those every single Sunday. I'm not saying that looking for principles and strategies is bad. I'm saying that if that's your only view of who God is, if the only view of God is to make sure you're doing it right, then you're missing out on something. Let me show you the other two. Life from God. If you're a life from God person, you avoid helping meet the needs of others. Because, see, you see everything as something for you. You see everything in your life as a blessing for you to, to, to appreciate and to take in. And so the extra money you got from your job or the, the extra pat on the back you got at work, that's, see, that's all for you. You're, you're, oh, man, God, God blessed me today with an extra check. God blessed me. And everything becomes then about kind of the central life of who you're doing and what you're living. And then you blame God when things go wrong. If things didn't go well, you're looking at God and be like, what happened? Where'd you go? I was supposed to be getting things from you, and you didn't send what you said you would send, and now I don't have it, and so what's going on? And, And you get in this really resentful mode because you didn't get what you expected from God. And you're trying to play this game of, man, where's God supposed to give me? And let me just be honest with you for a second. There are some of you who really struggle with this one because it's, it's, it's so easy to get in this mode of God does want to give you things good. God does want to give you a great life. God does want to give you good things. That's not all he wants to give you. He also wants you to be able to give to others. So then in this last one, you can see how going from life from God to life for God, we flip to the other end of the spectrum again. Prideful for how well we're performing. Those of us who live in this area, and I live here a lot, I lived here for a long, long time until I realized this is not a place to land. I got really prideful about how well I was doing as compared to what other people were doing. And it's really easy to separate myself when I'm doing the right things and serving God so well and other people aren't that I can separate myself and feel really good about my relationship with God because of what I have done for Him. And I've brought Him all of the. Look at what I gave and look what the time I'm giving and look at how my attitude, look at all these things over here that I'm doing that other people aren't doing. It's easy to get in that mode when you think about yourself as a for God person. And then you end up working harder when things go wrong. When things aren't right, you end up working so, so hard and you're struggling through things and you're like, if I can just, if I can just bear down a little bit harder, if I can just work a little bit harder and get a few more hours in here, I know God will honor me for what I'm giving away and if he needs it, doesn't. It's okay because I'm on mission and I'm doing all the right things. See, I think we forget who's really in control. I think we start to try and figure out a way we can put God into our lives so we can have control. Can I, can, I, can I show you something from this book with by Scott Justine? It just floored me when I read it. It floored me and it made me think, man, this is exactly the way I do it sometimes. This is the whack, exactly the way I try to deal with things that are outside of my control. I try to use God to control them. And so if I can't control them, I'm going to figure out a way to use God to control them. He says this, It has been my experience that when most people hear or think about God, they have a less than complete and sometimes entirely flawed vision of who He is. As a result, 
they do not tend to desire Him. At best, they see Him as a useful instrument for achieving something more desirous. Isn't that something? We use God as an instrument. I don't don't want God to be a part of my life. I just need what God can give me. I just need the principles and the systems. I don't need God. I just need Him to show me what looks right. I don't need God Himself. I just need to do what's right so that He will give me what I need. I, I just need things from God. I can take care of this other stuff, God. I just need things from you that I can't get. God, I'm going to want to do everything for you. I'm willing to do everything for you. I promise I'll do everything for you. I'll, I'll just keep going. We're trying to use that as a way to get what we need. And what we, what we tend to break down is that we realize that's, God can't be used that way. He's not an instrument to be used. Read the rest of this quote. But if their vision were enlarged, people who like take these four views of God, if we could just enlarge that a little bit and, and get those corrected, if they could see his unrivaled beauty, grasp his unconditional love, perceive his radiant glory, and experience his untainted goodness, then it would become obvious that he is much more than a deity to simply tolerate or a device to employ. Here's what I want you to grasp this morning. There's a better view of God. There's a more mature view of God than the one you've been holding on to, perhaps. Perhaps you're trapped by a view of God that that only gets you so much because you are trying to control God in order to control your life. You know, it reminds me of a joke. Can I tell you guys a joke? Because I think it it fits so well here because I want to switch from, oh my gosh, this is so heavy to something a little bit lighter. Listen, it reminds me of a joke about this, this barber. And uh, he, w- he had a customer come in, and he turned to the customer and said, hey, see this kid coming down the street? He's going to come in here in a second. He's the dumbest kid in the world. I'm going to prove it to you. And so the kid walks in, starts hanging out, talking to people, and the barber pulls out a $5 bill and two $1 bills. And he turns to the customer and said, watch this. Hey, kid, which one you want today? You want the five or you want the two ones? And the kid turns and looks. And he takes the two ones and runs out the door. And the barber turns to the customer and says, See, I told you, dumbest kid in the world. He's never taken this five. So a few minutes later, the customer gets finished up and he heads out the door and he sees this kid with an ice cream walking down the street. And he said, Hey, kid, what you, why did you take the $2? Why didn't you take the $5 bill? And the kid says, Well, as soon as I take the $5 bill, the game's over. Right? Listen. That's the way I think some of us think about. We think we're in control of the game, offering God what we have or, or playing games with God, being like, hey, let's see, I'll do this, you do that, I'll do this. We're not in control of the game. God's actually in control of the game. So I'd like to expand your view for a second and let you know how God plans for you to handle things that are outside of your control. Here's the way he plans for you to have them. He, he plans this. Go to that next slide, God with us. Oh, there's another part of the quote. In other words, God would cease to be how we acquire our treasure, and he would become our treasure. He would become our treasure. So go to that next slide, please. He wants us to have life with him. He wants to be the person that we desire more than the thing we want. He wants to be center to our lives, rather than letting something else be central to our lives. Because let's think about how we control our lives. We control our lives based around what we want. And we don't get what we want. We try to control things and maneuver things to get what we want. And God says, no, 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 no. Listen, what if you just made me what you wanted most? What if you just lived life with me as the center of who you are? 
What if I, what if I could help you see that, that life with God is what I intended from the beginning? Life with you is what I really want you to ha- what I want to have. I want you to understand that life with me is actually better than any other way to live life. See, if you're living over or you're living under or you're living from or you're living for, you have a tendency to focus on only one aspect of God's character and who He is. See, if you're a living over person, you're just concentrating on the systems and the processes and the principles of life that will help you live life better. But you lose sight of all the other things about the giving and the serving and the receiving out of grace. And if you're a living under person, you only see the, the expectations and the laws of the things that kind of determine how you're supposed to behave. And you don't live out the love and the wonder and the joy of what he's offering. And if you're a from person, you're focused only on the joy and the getting and the abundance of what he's giving. And you're not focused on the fact that, yes, he also has expectations for you. And if you're a for God person, you're only living in this one small area. where You're focused so much on the mission at hand and the things you're supposed to be doing that you forget about. These other aspects of who God is. And God says, I meant from the beginning for us to be living together with one another. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to fast forward from Genesis through the time of Jesus real fast. And all the way into our certain time of of passages where God specifically meant for us to get this idea that he wanted to be with us. And that was the central idea of how he wanted to view him. So let me take you back to Genesis At that time, this is Abraham, father of all the Jewish religion, the Hebrews. They all came from Abraham. He was the first one God called called out, right? At that time, Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his forces, said to Abraham, God is, y'all read it with me, with you in everything you do. Y'all did, we got a lot of more chances, but y'all get ready. They're going to be in orange. Y'all read the orange words on the next few slides. God says, I want to be with, these people know. They can see it. God is with you. I can tell God is with you you, right? Look at this next one. Isaac, Abraham's son. He's dealing some stuff. Things are out of control. Things aren't going right. And God sits down one night. He says, that night the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the God of your father, Abraham. Do not be afraid for I am. Well, well done. Y'all getting it, right? Then Isaac's son, Jacob. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Jacob was going through some stuff. In fact, he had gone off to to another land because his brother had gotten angry with him for stealing his birthright and, and doing all that. And Jacob ran because his mom said, get out of town, go find a wife back with my family. He goes back and he finds a wife and he's going he's gonna to come back home. And the Lord said to Jacob, go back to the land of your fathers and to your relatives. Listen, go back to the land I gave your grandfather Abraham. That's where I need you to be. And I will be with you. It continues on with Moses. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Why are you asking me to go? Like, I I killed an Egyptian slave before I left. I I killed an Egyptian guard to to save an Israelite slave before I left. I'm a murderer. I have a a speech problem. I don't do real well in front of people. Why are you sending me? And God said, I will be with you. And then the guy that took over from Moses, his name was Joshua. Joshua. And Moses wasn't allowed to go into the promised land, but Joshua was leading this nation of Israel into this promised land that God said, go and take it, it's yours, I want you to take it. He said, have I, God looks at Joshua and says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Man, it's almost like all through this The story, God just wants to be with the people who are going through these tough times. He's like in the middle of it with them. Hey, go. I know it's going to be tough, but go. I'll be 
with you. Take a look at this next one. He even says it to the entire nation of Israel. He says through the prophet Isaiah, So do not fear those of you who follow me, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. Like, when you're in trouble, Israel, I understand, I get it. It's tough times, but I'm with you. I'm with you right now. I want to live with you. In fact, he created a temple so he could live in the middle of the group and not be thrown away by their sin. He he stayed in the middle of them. He stayed with them. And then to solve all these problems, go to this next one. He sent Jesus because he knew there's only one way for him to really be with us. He decided just to come down and be with us for a while. And so the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, Matthew writes, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Isn't that interesting? And Jesus came to be with us physically in the flesh. He was there in with us. And then Jesus, listen, Jesus didn't die just so you could gain control over your life through lots of systems and nice little principles to make you sure you live your life better. And, and Jesus didn't die just so you would understand how serious he was about the things he wanted you to do right. Jesus didn't die just so he could release amazing blessings on you. And he didn't die just so he could give you a mission. It's much more than that. All those are very limited views of who God is. But a mature view of God says, no, no, no. Jesus actually died and came back from the dead so that we could be with God and God could be with us. And, and that's what he tells them, his disciples, as he's leaving. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Like, I've got a mission for you. You go and do this, guys. Go, go and tell other people about what I've done here. I've died and come back. Go, go do that. But as you go, I've commanded, and surely I am with you always to the end of the age. I am with you always. You know, there's, there's a portion right before Jesus dies that he, he actually he, he sums up kind of this whole deal of how this is going to work. Because as Jesus is leaving the earth here at this time, he's saying, I'm going to be with you. And we're like, always like, how can you be with us, Jesus? You're about to leave again. I know you came back from the dead, but I mean, Jesus isn't like around physically right now. But in John 14, he tells his followers this, and he promises them this. If you love me, keep my commands. Remember the command of, he gave one command, which was love one another. And I will ask the Father, and he will give another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. See, here's the, here's the amazing thing about a, a larger, more mature view of who God is. That when you understand that things are out of your control, you can also understand that Jesus came to make sure that God was with us in everything. For all time. Forever. That we'd no longer have to go into a temple or to a priest that we would have God's Spirit with us. And this is what's pretty amazing, right? As you think about how you view the things that are going out of control in your life, let me encourage you just a little bit. Let me help you think about this in a new way. If, you, if you're a life over God person, do you know you can switch from that small, immature view to a more mature of God by doing this? You can let the systems and formulas for a good life lead you to the God who created them. Like, don't stop looking for great principles and systems to make life better. Don't stop doing that. But as you go on your journey to figuring that out, 
What if it could lead you to the God who created them in the first place? What if it could lead you to a relationship with the God who said, this is the way life is supposed to work. Yeah, and I created your heart that way. And yeah, I created that that way. And I created relationships to work that way. That was all my intent. So once you figure out that scientific fact, that was me. Once you figure out that psychology, that was me. Once you figure out this truth over here, that was me. What if all the systems could lead you to be with God? And if you're a life under person, what if you could do the right thing not to earn something, but just because God is with you? What if you could learn to look at your behavior as not as a thing you're earning something from, but something you're doing with God all the way through? He's walking beside you. He's helping you do it right. He's there with you when you fail because he's already forgiven you through his son, Jesus. What if a, a life from person, instead of you're just going to be, being with God is better than getting the thing you want. Like maybe the thing you want so badly is actually less important or perhaps less valuable than God himself. And what if for the life for people, what if you, what if you just passionately pursue a relationship with God and then the mission will be your greatest joy? What if on your way to serve, and rather than the serving be the focus, I'm serving in order to be close and stay close and realize he's with. Because here, here's what I think. I think most of us need to mature our view of who God is. I think we need to, to get past some of these immature views of who God is because it keeps us from getting where we need to go. And where we need to go is this. You need to be doing some things in your life right now that you're afraid to do because you don't have control over them. There are some things that you need to be doing. Some of you are here today and you've sat in these seats for months. And you know, every once in a while you feel like, man, maybe I should get involved with a group. Or maybe I should get involved with serving somewhere. Or maybe I should start giving Maybe I, should, maybe I should do something here to be part of this community. And in the back of your mind, you're going, man, I, I'm not sure I can do that. I'm not sure I can do that. Boy, I don't have enough time for that. I don't know if, man, I don't know if I want to get, go through all that to have relationships with people. Man, that's going to be kind of awkward. Listen, God is with you. What is keeping you from exploring something that may be scary? What about at work? What, what if there's something at work that you haven't been doing because it's going to seem out of your control? You haven't approached an issue. You haven't approached a, your boss about something. You haven't taken a leap and you know you should be doing something else and you haven't taken that leap to the other job because you're like, this is controllable. This is something I can control. I don't see what I can control over there. And your view of God is so shrunken down that you haven't even considered whether or not you should do it. But listen, I want to show you this next slide. If God is with you, how long before you start doing the things God does, loving like He does, giving like He does, and seeing things from his perspective. Here's what I'd love to, for you to walk away with today. That God is already with you through his spirit. And those of you who are not sure, you're, you're not sure you believe in, hey God, you're not sure of Jesus, the whole dying and coming back to life seems way too hard to believe. Listen, God is trying to convince you that he wants to be with you in this walk. That's why he sent Jesus. It was to cross this barrier that we often create by our own sin and our reluctance and our fear and our, our desire to control and get from God what we want. We, we all want to control what God's doing in our lives, but no, no, it doesn't work that way. But if you would just release this idea of God, if you would we'd figure out that you're doing life with God, 
that God really wants to be with you? How long before you wouldn't start taking on his characteristics, his generosity, his, his love, his grace, his mercy, his desire to serve, his desire to give, his desire to be at work all the time doing something for other people? Listen, don't, don't use today's uh, message as an excuse not to get up and do something because here's the challenge for today. The challenge is this. If God is with me, how does it change the way I blank tomorrow? Because if God is with you, then it changes everything. It changes how you think about your money. It changes the way you think about your kids, your grandkids, your retirement. It changes the way you think about vacations this summer. It changes everything. Because you start looking, if God is truly with you, then I don't need to play this game of control anymore. Because if God's with me, I have what I need. I have Him. And if I can make Him central to my life, if I can make Him the hub of my desires, if I can see His goodness and His love for me and His grace for me, and if I can see how wonderful He is, and that's going to change how I relate to everyone in my life. It's going to change the way I think about all the resources I have. It's going to change the way I think about what I'm doing today. And so what I'd love for you to know is that today, you walk away from here at least thinking about this idea. What would happen tomorrow at work if I walked in and knew God was with me? What would happen today if I knew God was with me? What could happen what, what would you be able to give? What would you be able to do for other people because you weren't trying to fight for something yourself? Here's what I'd love for you to know. God is with you. And a mature view of God. Listen, people who adult well, people who are adulting well, they own that they do not own God. You don't own God. He's walking with you. Let that be the source of your power and your choices this week. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much that what you are giving us is a clear path to you through Jesus. That through his death and resurrection, we get a chance to come straight to you and be with you. And then you get to be with us by giving us your spirit. And God, you have chosen to make that the way you relate to us. And so thank you for that. And God, I pray that we as people would be changed by this fact, that we would not lay back. We would not be just soaking in all the goodness from you, that we would not live underneath some law or regulation just trying to behave for you, that we wouldn't just serve you because we know we're supposed to, and God, that we wouldn't just seek out life's principles and systems without you. And instead, God, we would embrace this whole view of who you are, that all these things encompassed within a relationship with you can be powerful in our lives. And God, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.